I am overwhelmed this morning at the faithfulness of our God. Faithfulness of God who works in lives of men who serve Him for 50 years and will serve Him until they can serve no longer. I am overwhelmed in the faithfulness of God and to hear the prayers of men. As Mr. Jim prayed, brother, your prayer was beautiful this morning. I'm overwhelmed at the faithfulness of God to look into the eyes of men and women that have only known me for five years and my family. And you have loved me in ways that my family in the last month, in the last few weeks, in the Christmas spirit of giving, beyond anything that my family deserves. And I would think my brother and sister over here would say the same. That you would gather on Christmas morning with so many others that are not. I say to you from the bottom of my heart as your pastor, thank you. You have blessed me this morning. And you have made this probably the greatest Christmas ever for me. And I am overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed of our God today. Amen? How could we not sing? But also, how can we not preach? So let me preach. Charles Spurgeon, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1. We've got to get to our text in just a second. Charles Spurgeon said, we venture to assert that, it, that if there be any day in the year of which we may be pretty sure that it was not the day on which the Savior was born, it is the 25th of December. And yet, regarding not the day, let us nevertheless give thanks to God for the gift of His dear Son. Oh, whether it is December 25th or it is July 2nd, let us give thanks for the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, what glorious blessing it is to gather and to worship with you on this morning for no matter the day there is hope in Christ and I want to look again or into the count of Matthew as we have looked last night on Christmas Eve and we have looked last Sunday and this glorious account as we are walking through to see the glorious truths of the virgin birth read with me in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear you a son. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name 
Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, Father, may you bless the reading and the preaching of your word this morning, and may you bless our time. We ask this in your name. Amen. Over the last two gatherings, uh, last night at Christmas Eve, and then last week, we we started to look through this text, this beautiful, wonderful text uh, that we get. It's not very many verses, but it is beautiful and powerful, uh, you know, no matter the case. And as we have walked through this, we've seen some truths that come out within the virgin birth. We've seen some of these attributes of God displayed. We saw uh, last week, we saw the the power of God displayed, the power of God that brings forth the impossible to bring forth a child that, you know, from a virgin and that, that there was nothing that could have done this but the omnipotent and limitless power of God. And then last night as we gathered for our candlelight service and the taking of the Lord's Supper, we, we saw the, the love of this God displayed through the virgin birth that here this child would be called Jesus and it... it, it his name represented his mission, that he comes to save his people, that this is God who is initiating salvation. This is God who is doing this for us, for God so loved the world we love because he first loved us. But now this morning, as we kind of close out here on this Christmas day, I want to show you that the virgin birth not only displays the power and the love of God, I want to show you this morning that the that the that the virgin birth displays the faithfulness of God. The virgin birth displays the faithfulness, the steadfastness of our Lord in bringing forth salvation. All throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, we read of God's faithfulness. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 tells us, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps the covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to, the, to a thousand generations. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised, he who gave his word is faithful. The Hebrew word translated faithfulness means to be steadfast. It means to be firm and it means fidelity. The opposite would be to, ever, to be ever-changing. The opposite is what we would be known as divorce. You, you break away from the covenant. You break away from your word. Faithfulness guarantees that God will never act inconsistent with himself and what he says. But he will always do exactly as he says, as he promises. And the virgin birth is a clear proof, a clear example of the faithfulness of God for a thousand generations. For in this one passage that we've read this morning, we can point to three promises fulfilled in the virgin birth. Now, that doesn't mean that there's only three. There are so many more, but I know that you have activities planned for the day. And so for time's sake, we're only going to look at three promises fulfilled within this text fulfilled within the virgin birth of christ i want you to notice first there in verse 20 promise number one the promise to bring a son of david the son of david notice that the angel says joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary as your wife notice that reference that title son of david you've you've heard jesus called that several times you you've heard uh, you've heard uh, you know we, we see it here with joseph and others during the, even the old testament people who came from the lineage they were descendants of david now we know that joseph is a descendant of david 
we know that Mary, according to Luke's gospel, that she too is a descendant of David. This is significant. Why? Because all the way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, we see in that chapter David with this goal and this desire to build forth this temple, build forth this, this house for God that God may dwell in. And he wants to do it, but God comes to him and he, through the prophet Nathan, he says, you're not going to be the one to build. I'm going to build your house, but don't worry. There is one who is going to come from you and he will build. And we know Solomon does this. Solomon does build temple. But, but we know that in the Old Testament prophecy, there's this near fulfillment, this partial fulfillment. But then there's this ultimate fulfillment that comes down the road. And so in this promise here, 2 Samuel chapter 7, God tells David, there is one who is going to come. And he's not just going to build a house for me, but he is going to build a kingdom. He is going to be one who will sit on the throne forever. We know this because of the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah who tell us a little bit of a, a, a greater fulfillment of it. They reveal a little bit more to us. Listen to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and 6 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness, A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. And now his name by which he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. When Jesus is born, it is the fulfillment of a promise that was made to David there in 2 Samuel. Both Matthew and Luke give us a genealogy. In Matthew, you get the genealogy of Joseph. And though Jesus, though he is not the biological father of Jesus, he does adopt Jesus. We see this in verse 25. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And notice that next phrase in verse 25. It says, and he called his name Jesus. He names the son. And so this was an indication that Joseph doesn't just give him a name, but Joseph adopts him as his own son. And so by doing this, you have one who is a descendant of David, who has taken a child to himself under his, own, under his own name, his own royalty, and giving Jesus the right to rule. In Luke, we get the genealogy where we see that Mary is the biological uh, descendant of David. And so Jesus has the blood of David running through his veins. Oh, beloved, beloved as we read this, we see that Christ is the one who was promised And he is forever sitting on the throne, an eternal king reigning forever. Because when Christ died, he rose from the grave three days later to never die again. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And for all eternity, he will sit upon the throne. Amen? So when we read in the Old Testament of one who will reign forever, we know that he's talking about Christ. We know that it is this child And so God's faithfulness is seen in bringing forth his promised king, his promised deliverer. How can we not rejoice? How can we not sing on Christmas Day? For God kept his word and sent us a king. And not just any king, but as we talked about last night, one who delivers, one who conquers, who conquers sin, who conquers our trials, who conquers our fears, who conquers our depression, who delivers us from all of our enemies. God has sent us a deliverer. How can we not rejoice and give praise on this Christmas morning? For in this we are reminded God was faithful to deliver us from our sins. But this is not the only promise that we get. We see a second one here. 
I, I hit on this on, on the night of the cantata, but I want you to see the, 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 the next. Notice he says, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will, be, she will bear a son. We see the promise seed. We see that the promised seed is now fulfilled. This is, in essence, a fulfillment of the promise made to the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's not, this is not just a direct, but I, but I do think it's worth being mentioned here. So in Genesis 3, verse 15, we read, it, God said to the serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise or crush you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. We know the story. We know Adam and Eve sinned against God. They listened to the, the words of the serpent rather than the words of God, and they sin against God. They eat of the forbidden fruit. They have, they have broken and transgressed the one law that God gave them, entering, sin entering into the world, judgment entering the world, condemnation entering into the world. God said in Genesis chapter 2, but, it, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Death enters into the world, judgment. And we know that God spared Adam and Eve from immediate death. But we know Genesis chapter 5 that they do die, and not only them, but all of humanity. And yet, there in the garden, right after the very first sin, before Adam even receives his judgment, God says to him, he says, Adam, I make this promise to you. Serpent, I make this promise to you. A child will come. And he will fix and redeem and reconcile all that has been broken by sin. He will crush the head of Satan. How amazing that after 4,000 years, there on that night, Christ laying in a manger was a reminder of the promise God had made of 4,000 years from that moment. To Adam and to Eve, to Satan, that the Savior would come. Beloved, God never wavered on this promise. As I thought about this, as I meditated on this throughout the week, God never wavered. We see from Genesis all the way to Matthew, we see the wickedness of man. We see... The unbelief of mankind, the sinfulness of, of mankind. We see the unfaithfulness of mankind for thousands of years. And God from on high looking down upon his creation who has sinned and rebelled against him. And yet he never wavered. For many of you it wouldn't have taken but a day or two before you wavered on your promise. But not him. God is faithful from all, to all generations. For He does exactly as He says. He brought forth a child, a seed, from a virgin to crush the, the serpent's head, to redeem and crush Him He did. For in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find our redemption. We find our hope, not only for ourselves, but of this world. Oh, beloved, I know that for many that they do not celebrate Christ on this day. 
I know that for many, there are for that, that many of you are like me and my family. You will sit around the table today or you've already sat around the table and you've looked across and you saw that there was a seat missing. Not because they passed from this life to the next, but because they've ran away from the family. They've rebelled against God because, because they do not believe and they don't want to participate. We see this, do we not, in our families, the brokenness of our families And our heart yearns for those people. We wonder what hope do they have. Beloved, they have the same hope that you and I have that God made in the garden 6,000 years ago. That he would come and he would bring forth a child to save us. Oh, rejoice today. God does not waver. There is hope and there will always be hope. If he says it, then you can believe it. This Christmas is a reminder that we can trust in God and hope in Him. And that is a big deal because there's a lot of, there isn't a whole lot of hope and a whole lot of things today, is there, in this world? There's not a whole lot of things that you can stand on and be firm in, but the Word of God that we can. For we know, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that we can be confident in this. If there is one thing I can be confident, Paul says, we can be confident in this, that that which God has started, God is faithful to bring to completion. Amen? I see that with you. I see it in my own life. I see it in you. As a pastor... See the faithfulness of God sanctify you, to mold you, to see your love for the Word of God burn more today than it did five years ago. Not because of my brother, not because of me. Because let's just be honest, that five years ago, we, we too were in need of sanctification. So I hope that you see it in us. I hope that you see within, within me and Trey the, the work of God, the faithfulness of God to sanctify us. I see it in us as a church. Well, beloved, isn't it amazing that on this Christmas morning, we can stand on the word of God to know that what he says he will bring to completion no matter the length of time. And to know that if there is one out there today who does not know him, that we can stand confidently with in, in, in complete assurance that if they call upon God, that they would believe in Christ, the one who gave his life for them, the one who rose from the grave, that they would be saved and not just saved, but sanctified. Well, there is no greater gift than this that we have this morning. There is no greater gift that you received this morning than the word of God and the gospel. I would, tell upon, I would call upon you, I would tell you this morning, trust God and trust his word. Stand upon it. You will not be disappointed. It will bring you great joy. And then thirdly, I want you to see the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. Look at verse 22 and 23. He says, Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. This prophecy comes out of Isaiah 7. The scene, like all so many other scenes in our life. A wicked man, King Ahaz. A sinful man, sinful king, 
ruling over Judah, who does not deserve the grace and intervention of God. But yet, he's, and so he's facing this great threat. The kings of Israel and Syria have allied against him. And so the prophet Isaiah comes to him and says that God is going to protect Judah. God's going to intervene. He promises a sign. He says, a virgin shall come. In this case, it was a young woman. Now, again, there's this partial fulfillment, but then there's this greater fulfillment that we get to here in Matthew chapter 1. But in this case, in the Old Testament here in Isaiah, he says, A virgin shall give birth to a son, and they shall name the child Emmanuel. And this will be a sign of God's intervention. And God fulfills this. He fulfills it. Yet we know that Isaiah 7.14 has a greater fulfillment. That God was not only promising the birth of a child of a young woman, he was actually promising something that only he could do. Motivated, as we saw last night, by, the love, by his own love, that he would bring forth a child from a virgin, a woman who is unmarried, who has not known a man. And when she gives birth to this child, they will name him Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. You see, the child in Isaiah was a sign of God's presence with Judah. That he was present with them. But the child that is born in Matthew 1 is God present with us. Emmanuel is the faithful fulfillment of God's great promise. For Judah, it was that God's presence was there. But for us, it is God is present in you with you and in you because did he not leave christ left did jesus did god break his promise he says emmanuel god is with you he's no longer with us flesh and blood oh no for what did christ tell us that he would send a comforter what did christ tell us he would send a comforter who would come and live in me in my heart i must tell you that god is faithful to the promise. It, it remains even today. For we know in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And what does he say? And lo, I am with you what? Always. Even to the end of the age. I am with you always. The Gospel of Matthew ends the same way it began. Did you notice that? God is with us. God is with you always. As we gather this morning, we gather because God is with us. And I don't know about you, but there is no person, there is no one, no place I would rather be than to be in a place to worship God on this day. Because of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, God is always with us. Though not in flesh, for now. But his spirit lives within us. And so God is actively being faithful to his promise that he made so long ago. He is with you in your trials. He is with you in your sadness. He is with you in your joys and your happiness. He is with you in your decisions. He's with you in your failures and your victories. And you know what's amazing about the faithfulness of God? And him being with us, 
He is with us every Sunday that we gather to worship. Amen. Why would God, this blows my mind, why would God want to meet with me? And in his faithfulness and in his love and in his power, week after week, I, the most sinful, gather with other sinners. And the faithful God is here every time. And we hear the word read, and we hear the word sung, and we hear the word preached. And when we leave Sunday after Sunday, we go home and say, God was faithful because God met with us because he said he would. Oh, brothers and sisters, Rejoice in the virgin birth. Rejoice and find strength. May the faithfulness of God strengthen your faith to worship, to serve Him throughout your life. In closing, I want to leave you with these words, the words of John MacArthur. He says, if we could condense all the truths of Christmas into only three words, these would be the words, God with us. He says, we tend to focus our attention at Christmas on the infancy of Christ. But that is not the greatest truth of the holiday. The greater truth of the holiday is the deity of Christ. More astonishing than a baby in a manger is the truth that, is, that this promised baby is the omnipotent creator of heaven and earth. And so, beloved, I pray this morning that as we have examined the power of God and the love of God and the faithfulness of God through the virgin birth. And there's so many other attributes we could look at. But as we have examined these, that you are fascinated not only by a child in a manger, but that this morning you are fascinated by the power, the love, the faithfulness, that you are fascinated by the greatness of our God. May your faith be strengthened by God's faithfulness. Bow with me as we prepare for our time of invitation. My hope and, and prayer is that you will be enjoy this day and that you will be strengthened and that you will be encouraged. I pray this morning that as you contemplate on these wonderful, beautiful truths, that they move your heart to respond however God would move you. But my most important, my, my, my ultimate prayer for you is that it would move you today to go and to rejoice with your friends and your family in the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ.